Hi, I'm James Wedmore, host of the Mind Your Business podcast, and I've built an eight-figure year company selling digital products around my knowledge and expertise. In fact, this is what I've been doing in multiple niches for the past 15 years. And if you've ever wanted to do the same, or maybe you're trying, but you can't seem to get any traction, here's how I can help. As you can guess, you need an audience if you want to sell your stuff, right? But what if I told you that you don't need a big audience. You don't need millions of followers to get started. In fact, we see that it's with just your first 100 leads where you really start getting some momentum. I mean, think about it. Imagine that you're on the stage of a room filled with just 100 people in that audience right now. That's a lot of people. You don't think that a few of them would walk up to you after your talk and ask, hey, how can I keep working with you? Of course they would. And that's why I created your first 100 leads. It's a 14-video step-by-step training mini course that walks you through exactly how to get your first 100 leads fast. And the feedback and results from this free program have been amazing. Diane Shepard said, this is one of the best trainings I've ever taken. Jake Curry said, We have had 753 people sign up for this free training. Are you kidding me? Dan Netting said, I'm currently going through the first 100 leads training, and James, I gotta say, it's brilliant. This training is A to Z complete, and the best part is it's absolutely free. To register, simply click the link in the show notes of this episode. Thanks so much, and I'll see you there. I'm thinking if I'm sick, if I'm not feeling well, and just being able to like have someone else at least just do some help out, you know, if needed. I mean, I also just think about my clients who have employees who and they are successful. And like one of my clients is a vet, you know, like he can't, he's successful in his business. I mean, he can't be like manning the phones while providing care yeah. for his patients. So it's like, you know, I guess that's like an inspiration. It's like, I want to get there. Yeah. And it's possible in other businesses. So it's possible for us too. (laughs) And there's plenty of other accounting firms that operate that way. Hey, and welcome to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. I'm Serena Shoup. I am a CPA and mom of three, and I'm running a virtual bookkeeping business, mostly from my home. You're in the right place if you're a bookkeeper, accountant, or an accounting student, and you know that your purpose is bigger than sitting in a cubicle. If you're ready to learn some actionable tips and strategies to help you start and grow a bookkeeping or accounting business, I hope you stick around. Welcome back to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. Today we have another one of our strategy sessions on air. I know a lot of you guys like to listen to this. It's basically me one-on-one coaching someone on the podcast. So you get to see or hear rather how we work through certain issues. So Today, I have someone that I actually used to one-on-one coach years ago (laughs) on the podcast, and I put a call out in my group for anyone who wanted to do a quick little 30-minute strategy session and air it on the podcast for the benefit of our listeners and for them, of course. So would you like to introduce yourself, Joanne? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm Joanne Sharma. Um, My company's name is Joanne's Bookkeeping, and I've been in business for the past uh, three years. And uh, my business has definitely uh, grown since then. So I'm at the point in my business now where I have more work than I can handle. And I've onboarded a few contractors to like offload some of my works, but it's I'm still not a hundred percent like comfortable where I feel like, all right, you my, my I mean, I do have systems in place, 
but where now I can um, work with other people. It's like, I know how to do the work. Like, how do I get the other people to do the work the way I think it should be done without being too controlling where it becomes an employee employer relationship. Mm. So, so yeah, so I, I guess Wes, what I would like with this time that we got get have together is just having that comfort level with offloading the work and, you know, making sure it's, you still have that contractor relationship. Yeah. That is an area that can get kind of sticky and depending on, are you in California? No, I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay, good. (laughs) So California is a very strict state with that. And there's some states that I would still recommend looking at your contractor laws in your state just to make sure that you're covered. But we're going to assume for the purpose of this podcast, I'm not going to dive into that employee contractor relationship necessarily, the rules around that. So for the listener, if you have questions about that, there might actually be other podcast episodes about it and you can do your own research in your own state. But for the purpose of this, we're going to assume that it's definitely a contractor relationship. And how do you, so your question basically is how do I make sure the work is being done the way that it needs to be done? It's done in a timely manner and the deliverables are sent to the clients like we've agreed because you don't have the capacity to be doing all the work yourself. So Right, exactly. So I'm just like up at night just worrying. Yeah. Okay. So, so far, what do you have in place? I know that you're in breakthrough with Workflow Queen. So I'm assuming you have developed some workflows and SOPs for the client work? Oh, yes, I, I do. And that's where, so I've been working with one of my contractors for about a month or two now. And I noticed like, I, I still have to like tweak those SOPs. Like they worked for me. I understood them. Yeah. And then now that, that she's doing it, I realized, oh, like I, I needed to redo it. And sorry. So then another thing is also, I'm also trying to use like a QA software as I, and I, I was trying to use Keeper, but I just really never got the hang of it. And now I, I recently discovered Zenit. Mm-hmm. I really love it. All right. So I'm going to start implementing that. Okay. So that's, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. That's a good software to implement. I actually started playing around with that a while back too. <laughs> and I ended up just going back to my our manual process, but that's because I have another human that can review the same way that I did pretty much like not quite exactly the same way that I would do it, but that person is an employee too. So, but yeah, let's take a step back to at least currently what you have is your contractors are doing the day-to-day bookkeeping work for the clients that you currently have. Yeah. So, I mean, right now they're mainly doing, cause, cause I have, they don't have a high skill level right now. They're just doing the bank feeds and the reconciliation. Okay. But and now I feel like I need to teach them like how to fix mistakes and look for mistakes yeah. Um, so that I don't have to keep doing that. Yeah. And so it is a process. And I think you mentioned before we hit record that it's only been a couple months maybe that you've had your contractors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It hasn't been okay. that long. So just to provide context to the listener, like you've only had them for a couple months. So that is totally normal for you to, especially because you said they came to you with no experience. So you've basically taught them how to do these things in QuickBooks. So it's normal that you're finding mistakes and needing to correct things. What I would suggest in, even though they're contractors, you can still say like, let's hop on a call. Let me show you what I'm looking at and how I'm reviewing this so that 
you can see how I'm fixing these mistakes, or you can walk them through fixing it themselves, or you could do this with a loom video. However, I like having it done in, you know, in person as often as you can, because what happens with, if you do it in a loom video, now it, it, I'm not saying this doesn't work, but it depends on the type of person that you're working with. So someone might watch the loom video and since they didn't actually fix the mistake themselves, they're not going to learn it. They're not going to learn to catch it next time because they didn't have to make the correction. A lot of us operate that way, actually. <laughs> Unless what they're doing, like what you could do also is have more of like a written checklist for them of, and I know you're in breakthrough. So I think you do have access to a month end handoff document. That might be a really good place to start. So set up like a co-working or a meeting with maybe both of them, if you're encountering the same issues on both of their work, or you could do it on a one-on-one, -on -one. but to hold like a training session of like, we're going to implement this month end handoff document. And it basically is a checklist for the bookkeeper who's doing the work of all the things they need to double check. So it's going to make your review work a lot easier. And if there's anything, so for instance, one of the things on the checklist that we use is, is there anything in like they're supposed to look at the AP aging and look to see, I don't know if this is in the version that you have because I've tweaked mine. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I have on my bookkeepers month end checklist after they've done the bank feeds and the bank reconciliations is they are supposed to pull the AR aging and the AP aging and make sure there's nothing really old and outstanding on it. And if there is, there needs to be notes in the month end handoff that they either A, looked at it, validated it, it's real, it needs to stay there, or they looked at it, it needs to be corrected, we need to ask the client about it. Mm -hmm. Whatever the issue is, but I need to know that they actually looked at it. So then I'm not going and duplicating that effort when I do the review or whoever's doing the review, like looking at the AR aging and being like, wow, there's stuff on here that's 180 days old. This might not be real. <laughs> <laughs> Do I know if the bookkeeper even looked at it, if there's no notes, right? So that's why that document is really helpful. So that might be step one to implement with them and kind of do a training session on what your expectations are around, okay, once you've done the bank feeds and the bank reconciliation, then we have this month end handoff document. I'd like you to go through this. And then when this is complete, you tag me in whatever communication system you're using, whether it's Asana or Slack or whatever, and let me know end of month handoff is done ready for your review. And then as you're doing reviews, you can either use that checklist or the way that we do it is we look through the month end handoff, see if there's any bullet points, and then we go and do a review of the balance sheet and make sure everything looks right. So one of the main things that we review is the bank reconciliation against the bank statement. So we'll pull up the bank reconciliation report and make sure that there's nothing old and outstanding like stale dated checks or uncleared deposits or anything like that that shouldn't be there. And if there is, that's something that I would like, I would continue to review the rest of the balance sheet and make notes of everything that needs correcting. And then I would go back and either like have the bookkeeper hop on a call with me so we can go through it together or record a loom video as I'm fixing things. So that's where it kind of depends on their learning style. And maybe the first time you do, you record a loom video and you say, okay, these, these are the things that I'm looking at and fixing. Can you make sure to address this or look at it before you hand things off to me next month? 
And this is how you would fix things if anything comes up. Or if you find a mistake and you're not sure how to fix it, you can reach out to me. And then if it continues to happen going forward at that point, like the next time it happens, I would send it back to them and say, refer to that loom video on how to fix this, (laughs) (laughs) fix it yourself so that it gets embedded in their knowledge and their habits. Right. And then hopefully it's not a recurring issue. Yeah. After that. Uh, so, so I actually have a recurring meeting with one of my contractors, the one who does the the monthly stuff for me. And and then I, I unfortunately, like the last two weeks, especially because of the holidays, like I've just been canceling it because I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't meet. Yeah. But uh, we really do need to meet. And one thing, so I have been making Loom videos. And one of the good things about them is I find that because I do have a couple of contractors is I realize, oh, wow, this my other contractor could use this video as well. And then I put, put it in that, I think it's like called like, like a master SOP list. Yeah. Like unless it has in the breakthrough for bookkeepers. So I got that in there, but yeah, it w- it really wasn't until recently where I realized I need to teach them how to catch their own mistakes. Like I was yeah. just spending so much time before just like teaching them how to do this stuff. Yeah. Now we move on to the second phase of them now being able to catch their own mistakes because they're. Yeah. yeah. But, but then I'm thinking, you know, because like think things happen and, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to help me, you know, or be a contractors later on the road. But like, if I have to onboard someone else, like, I'm just hoping that this process won't be as time consuming as it is right now, as I'm I'm learning to work with contractors. Like, I I mean, there is still going to be that period where I I guess, you know, they're onboarding, they're not going to be as fast and they're still learning your systems. Like, is that? Yeah. Like I said, it's only been a couple months. So if you think about it, like there's only been two monthly cycles where they've been learning how to handle things maybe not even on their own for both of those full monthly cycles, right? So it's it's normal. And what also I think a lot of business owners, when we start to hire and get help in our business, we think that we're going to be able to spend less time overall in our business, but it may end up just being you're actually shifting more of the time from actually doing the work to mentoring your team, <laughs> 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 right? Like answering their questions, mentoring them, building up their skills and stuff like that. So eventually you should be able to remove yourself more um, as time goes on and they their skill level increases and, and things. But I think initially expect to be just shifting the same amount of time that you're spending in your business, shifting it to instead of doing actual client work, you're now spending that time checking over things, mentoring it team and in managing the process instead of doing the process yourself. And this is where a lot of people, they don't see the fruits of it quick enough. And so they give up and think that they should just do it all themselves. And sometimes I fall into that mindset too, where I'm like, oh, it would just be easier to just do it all myself. And then I would know it was right on the first try. (laughs) (laughs) Just know that it's going to take maybe six months to get to the point where you're actually able to dial back the time you're spending in your business and you're building the trust with your team of knowing that they can handle it without your involvement so that you can then increase capacity and bring on more clients where you're not as involved. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what like, I didn't think about, you know, when I first started, of course, you were spending all this time like trying to get get clients. Mm -hmm. and, And then like now, where I can like offload work. And then, and then you, of course, your income should like steadily like increase. Whereas now 
it's because, all right, I'm paying someone else to do the work. So now my income take to hopefully, you know, like take the temporary dip, but then also my time isn't, I'm not still getting a lot of time. Like it's still, there's still like this part until like you read the benefits later. It's just right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're investing a lot of time and energy into it. But if you think of it in terms of, and this is something that has helped me continue to build the team and not take on everything myself and and all that of that is that there is always a risk of, like you said before, like what if the team member leaves and I've invested all this time or whatever, <laughs> like we well, want to make sure that you're able to easily onboard someone else. The next one's going to be a lot easier. You're going to have a lot more clarity on what to expect timeline wise and skills wise and all of this like onboarding. But one thing that has helped me to continue building a team instead of just doing everything myself is that like you're able to create the type of culture that you want your business to be. You're able to build the type of team that you want to work with. And you're you're teaching people new skills that they didn't have before because they came to you without bookkeeping experience. So you're able to like mentor people if that's something that you enjoy and you feel like as part of your purpose, then it'll be easier, right? If you don't view that as like a benefit, it's going to be a little harder to want to build a team, right? <laughs> so you <laughs> It's kind of like, it just depends on what your goal is and what you want out of things. But that's something that's personally helped me in continuing on the path of building team and not doing it all myself, because I also have visions to sell my company at some point and I can't sell it if I'm the one that's doing everything. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like a concern of mine. I'm thinking if I'm sick, if I'm not feeling well and just being able to like have someone else, at least just do some help out, you know, if needed. I mean, I also just think about my clients who have employees who and they are successful. And like one of my clients is a vet, you know, like he can't, he's successful in his business. I mean, he can't be like manning the phones while providing care yeah. for his patients. So it's like, you know, I guess that's like an inspiration. It's like, I want to get there. <laughs> yeah. And it's possible in other businesses. So it's possible for us too. <laughs> and there's plenty of other accounting firms that operate that way. I think what's really helpful too is to actually, if that is like a vision and a goal of yours is to listen to this podcast. I have lots of <laughs> guest interviewees that have built firms where they never did any of the work themselves. You know oh. what I mean? Like where they've always, they started from the beginning having a team. And so it's like, when you want to know if something is possible, you go out and look for other people who are doing it and learn from them, watch what they're doing. And it's not easy. Neither way is easy. Like doing all the work yourself is not going to be easy. There's drawbacks to that. There's drawbacks and challenges to building a team because then you end up with HR issues or people quitting or not hiring the right fit. I've done that a few times. <laughs> so it's just like, it's kind of that whole, like, choose your hard, <laughs> which hard is going to get you closest to what your ultimate vision is and your ultimate goal. And then just kind of sticking with it and having things that remind you of like why you're doing this, right? For you, mm -hmm. it's like, well, if I get sick, I have a backup. And yes, team members will come and go. That's mm -hmm. a given. You're probably not going to have the same team member for the whole forever, right? People move on, life's change, people move, whatever happens. And so if you just know that going into it, when you are 
creating processes and trainings and things like that, you can think forward to like, I'm probably going to have to use this again. So how can I make it all encompassing and how can we adjust maybe our internal processes or our niche or the type of clients we're bringing on. So it makes this whole thing easier. That was one thing that really helped me is staying true to the niche that I had decided on was that if I bring on anyone outside of our normal process, I'm going to be the one stuck doing it because I'm not going to put that on my team. So Mm -hmm. that keeps me from signing on clients that aren't a great fit. (laughs) (laughs) right? Because I'm in, I'm in charge of the sales and marketing still. So it's like, ultimately, like, I'm just going to be punishing myself if I go outside of the parameters that we've set with the type of clients that we want. So because I created these processes for the team to keep them efficient and to keep things profitable. So it's like, it keeps me accountable. (laughs) (laughs) knowing that I'm like, if we go outside of this, we're going to have to create a whole nother process. I'm going to have to train someone on how to do it, or I'm going to have to do it myself. So at the end of the day, it might not be worth it. So we'll just wait until the next right fit client comes along. (laughs) (laughs) So I I mean, like I I definitely feel compared to earlier, I think I forget if I did mention that I'd hired a a VA who did end up leaving because she didn't. Not this wasn't what she wanted to do, and then now that having the SOPs in place right now, it just feels like you know, yeah, it was a bad experience for her compared to my new <laughs> contractors that I would um, onboard. In the yeah, future. and that's the beauty of being able to look at a situation like that too. That like maybe went a little bit wrong and evaluating like, well, ultimately it was kind of her thing where it wasn't a great fit for her, but still reflecting on like, what could I have done differently on my end to make it a better experience for her or make it a more successful relationship. And that's how we built out lots of processes, right? With like on the client side of like, well, that client didn't work out. What could we have done on the front end to make sure that that didn't happen? And so now you're able to create certain processes and systems to prevent or mitigate certain things like that. And it goes with onboarding team too. Like, if you have documented processes in place, it's going to make their job a lot easier. If you stick to the plan and mm-hmm. only bring on certain type of clients, it's going to make their job easier. They're going to enjoy working here more. <laughs> They're going to last longer. So all those things. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. We are just about at time. Well, we're a little over, but I don't want to like wrap up without making sure that that gave you the clarity and help that you were looking for. Is there anything else specifically around reviewing work or anything like that, that you need more clarification on? No, no, this is good. Yeah. It's just like, I I know I'm I'm heading in the right direction. I just like one assurance that, yeah, I'm approaching it the right way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you are. And implementing Zenit will help too. That's something that you can actually have them run the Zenit file as a first pass and have them make some of the corrections through that first. I know they have a, I remember watching a webinar through Zenit about that, where one of the the firms, they have their bookkeepers actually run the month end check or whatever that they call it in Zenit first, so that they catch some of those things that need to be correction corrected, like duplicates and duplicate vendors and things like that. So making that part of your month end handoff too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was thinking about that and yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Then 
Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be able to support you. And if anything else pops up, let me know. Keep me updated. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Irina. All, All right. right. Thank you to everyone who helps make this podcast possible. Content and interviews are produced by me, Serena Shu. Our intro and outro music is written and performed by my brother, Ian Gilliam. Editing is also by Ian using his awesome sound engineering skills along with Descript software. Hosting and publishing is by Buzzsprout. And you can check out the show notes for links to all of these amazing resources and resources mentioned in the episode. Be ambitious.